Hello, you're listening to Mock Footage. These three pals like to watch movies, but some of them inevitably go by the wayside. Our hosts won't be using any nasty language, so you can share this with your grandma. And they will be discussing major plot details, so here's your dang spoiler warning. It's okay. It's fine, you know what it happens. happens. Yeah. Get over I wish it didn't. <laughs> I wish it didn't. But it does. <laughs> but it does. But it do, and we need to accept this about ourselves. Hi, welcome back to Mock Footage. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Hi, we're here. Hi. So welcome to Mock Footage. Welcome to Mock Footage. Uh, you know us. You we know always us. host this show. This the, the hosts show. of Mock Footage. Um, it's it's a really fun show idea that we came up with and started doing all by ourselves many a year <laughs> ago. Of course. Of course. Of course. Yes. Of corn, of corn, of of corn, corn. <laughs> like you'd find in the farms of Minnesota, the smallest of the sodas, <laughs> the smallest of all the sodas, save, save for micro soda, the smallest state in the nation. It's, so it's it's no nice berries coke. I'll tell you that much. It's no nice berries coke. I'll tell you that much. Few things are classic mock footage bit. So, <laughs> classic mock footage joke, nice berries Coke. Oh, we can't do a big cuss on this one, can we? No. Have we done a cuss yet? Wait, have we I done don't a know. cuss yet? We have it's, to start over so because I'm paranoid into my regular, li- I mean, they can bleep it out, but like, it's no, they so can't. No, they can't. They're, they can't. They don't. I hope we oh, didn't do no. a cuss. I Wait, hope we okay. didn't do a cuss. I don't think we did a cuss. But let's start over. Let's just start in over case. just in case. I don't think we did a cuss, but yeah, just for safety. Hello, you're listening to Mock Footage. These three pals like to watch movies, but some of them inevitably go by the wayside. Our hosts won't be using any nasty language, so you can share this with your grandma. And they will be discussing major plot details, so here's your dang spoiler warning. Hi, welcome to Mock Footage, a show about movies and footage that we mock. Have you ever mocked a movie, baby? No. Why would uh, I mock a movie, baby? They're trying their best. They're trying their best. <laughs> it's their first movie. Jeez. They're not old Jeez. enough yet. <laughs> They're not old enough to even understand. Golly. Give them a break. Golly. Now, a, mo- a movie teen? <laughs> Get the quips ready. That Love, teens, you know me, going down, <laughs> making you know fun me. of teenagers. It's what I do. It's what I do. I make fun of teenagers. Hi, I'm Haley Rose. Hi, I'm hi. You're Haley Rose, and you love making fun of teens. Okay, you can say your name now. Hi, I'm I'm little I'm <laughs> nope. That's not my name. Hi, I'm Blue Linux, and this is <laughs> the podcast that I host. This is our podcast. <laughs> Who else is here? Hi, know. can I say my name? Yeah, you yes, can say please. Your name. I'm Penny Parker, and I love making fun of teens. <laughs> uh, who a, here doesn't love making fun of teens? It's our dark retribution for being cyberbullied by them. Um, so, all right. <laughs> Here's the deal, y'all. Uh, we're we're doing our podcast mock footage that we've always done, and uh, one of these, you all know how this works. Uh, basically. Uh, 
me, the one who knows the movies, <clears throat> brings a movie that you might be loosely aware of or generally unfamiliar with, and uh, I show it to you. Um, but before we show it to you and, and enlighten you and I get to share this wonderful piece of media with my wonderful friends, uh, Penny and Blue, those are you. Um, That's us. Wow. Yes. Thank uh, you for validating I my identity. Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, Y'all have to figure out what the movie's about without seeing it. So um, oh, now, yeah. obviously- A twist, a challenge. Obviously, though, you've seen this before, right? I mean, Penny, you, you're you an internet person. You know what things are. And baby, you know you you know Jim Henson backwards and forwards. So why don't you just go ahead and uh wait have we have we have we told the audience what the movie is uh well i'm about to right now okay but first i want you to tell me about the movie labyrinth oh by david bowie so uh if if i can if i can poke a little needle hole through the bit here for just a second i have seen half of this movie before but it was like at least a decade ago um was it no, that's not true. I would have been impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. No. Um, well, if no, it was in sixth I, grade, yeah, it would have been 10 years well, ago. I don't know if it was in sixth grade specifically. I, I saw half of it in middle school. But What's that's uh, it's a it's a school. It's a for school Frankie you do Muniz. Oh, there you go. That's a better joke. OK. <laughs> no, hey, listen, we both had something uh, and together we made nothing. Uh, I'm so, so I'm it's... so afraid that I've cursed. I'm so desensitized to my own gutter mouth that yeah, like so... at this point I can't I lost I stopped paying attention and now I'm afraid that I, it's like when you're driving. You ever get this where you're driving and you go like a certain distance and then you're like, "Wait, was I driving?" and yeah. like you just like realize you weren't paying attention for the last ten minutes, and you're like, "Did I hit somebody?" Like, right. <laughs> you start and like you out. didn't because if you, you did. did, then you know. <laughs> but like, bad. no, I yeah. So we come from bad advertising where uh, the cusses flow like milk and honey. Uh, so yeah, uh, essentially, not like money because we don't make any of that. Nope. Exactly. And we're in hot water about that. Listen to advertising for more info. <laughs> anyway, Labyrinth. Uh, so I, I know the basic gist of this movie. Uh, I know the premise. Uh, okay. It Blue is uh, the, the, the true expert on Jim Henson, though. Oh, I am. I know everything about so, every Jim Henson movie, so including Labyrinth. Why don't you take yeah. us through what happens in this? And so You can chime in with your, your knowledge as you go along. We, let's right. work together here. Uh, so in the movie, mm -hmm. the Jim Henson movie Labyrinth, right? Uh, uh, there are now. Did Jim Jim Henson is in it? No, he made it. He directed it and wrote he it. Made it. Yes, it's it's Jim Henson puppets featuring David Bowie and also okay. some children. Okay, puppets, David Bowie, <laughs> and, and uh, who who does who does David Bowie play? David Bowie is a <laughs> magician mm -hmm. who is trying to do a magic trick where he pulls a baby out of a hat. Okay, <laughs> and what what is his name? His name is Davidson Bowington. 
Okay, that's a very okay. it's easy for him to remember that. Yeah, when he's right, a right. Character. David Bowie is very tired and sleepy, and so he must have an easy character name to remember. It's right. it's it's easy enough for him to remember that he sometimes gets confused when he's out and about on his day to day, and yeah. like he goes to Starbucks and they're like, "Hey, uh, what's your name?" and he's like, "Davidson." But wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, still so, in character. So, What's happening? Okay, so that's that. So Davidson Bowington is a musician who's trying to do a magic trick where he pulls a baby out of a hat. Yes, so mm-hmm. in order to do this, he steals a baby. Okay, so he steals right. a baby. Uh, and there are... From whom? From the Queen of England. Whoa. Interesting development there. You're going to have to explain. So the baby's Wait, a, like a prince? Wait, no. I remember now. I was wrong. Okay. Uh, he steals the baby from the Banks household. It's a crossover movie with Mary Poppins. <laughs> okay. It's the third okay. Banks child. So this is in the future, right? right? Jane and Michael are a little more grown up, and they have now a baby sister mm-hmm. named Eliza. And um, Penny, could you, uh, if you would, uh, could you spell Banks for me? Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, B-A-Q-C-H-E-Z-S. Uh, no, no A. So, all right. So uh, Davidson Bowington steals a baby from the Banks household. Uh i.e. the Mary Poppins family. It's the missing third Banks child. What's right. the baby's name? Eliza. 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 Banks. Uh, not All right, so, uh, and the other two are presumably... Uh, uh, Jane Pe- and Michael. Peggy and, oh, okay. No, no, it's Jane and Michael and Eliza. I thought it was, okay, so, all right. And then, uh, I know Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. That was this one I know. Um, and so then uh, Mary Poppins and Jane and Michael do their best to save Eliza from Davidson Bowington. Okay. Uh, they join forces and create a Disney Avengers before that. Yes. Well, no, it's just like, it's like that's their adventure for the day. You know what I mean? Okay. Like Mary Poppins is always Eliza. taking them on adventures. So where do right. they go? Uh, They go. There's a real to... easy one here. <laughs> They go to Disney World. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, hey, you're the expert. You're the expert here. I haven't ever seen this flick. <laughs> um, <laughs> they go... No, this, one, this one passed me by. <laughs> uh, they go to Disney World, and underneath mm. Disney World is the tunnels, also known as the labyrinth. Okay. okay there, there we go. go. There we go. There we go. There's a waiting. labyrinth of tunnels. And so it's a big maze and they they have to they have to go through the big maze underneath Disney World to find Eliza. Okay, so we're what so so far we have a character drama led by Julie Andrews and some kids and David Bowie. Where are the puppets figure in? Um the puppets are <laughs> <laughs> The puppets are uh, David Bowie's nightmares, <laughs> and and I and I think it's pretty clear based on the rest of the set dressing here that they do take on the form of Disney World mascots. Exactly, um, 
but, but horrific but, nightmare. But when he's David, asleep, when he's asleep, yeah, when Davidson Boington is asleep, the the Disney mascots become these like gremlin esque creatures, okay. right? So that I, you see on the cover art. So, so you could night, say he's a bit of a gremlin king. Yes. No, mm. he's a magician. Okay. <laughs> At night, Disney mascots uh, become <laughs> gremlin creatures and uh, and haunt Davidson Boeington. Yeah, in his dreams. As Got he it. dreams about trying to become the best magician of all time by pulling a baby out of a hat. It's Man, the you ultimate know- trick. Right. I gotta say, I'm really honored to be on the show. Not really getting the entertainment appeal. We're just describing the synopsis of a movie that everyone knows is the way the movie goes. I know yeah, it's I know. really crazy that like this is a now, successful podcast. But are there <laughs> other supporting characters? Like, are the puppets just random things? Are the Muppets there? Is Kermit there? No, none of the actual Muppets are there because they couldn't get the copyright. Okay, but it's from Jim, Jim, Henson. Henson. Jim Henson. Jim Henson couldn't get it. From himself? <laughs> no, from Disney. He sold it to Disney and he couldn't get right. it back but they, from But him. they could get Disney World. Well, it's... They, they say and all, it's... And all of the Disney characters. They right. say it's Disney World. And key. Right. No, they say it's Disney World and they okay. say it's Disney characters, but it's, but it's not. D-I-Z-N-E-E. <laughs> no, no, no. You never, you never see them. You just see the tunnels underneath it's, Disney World. It's their gremlin K N E E Disney, no D, <laughs> no D, uh, Disney D. World, Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So. Uh. uh so then. Um, okay. They yeah. go on this big adventure to rescue the baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they finally do uh, Eliza, the <laughs> the magic Eliza? baby. Uh, well, uh, then they they do a standoff with David Bowie. This is a Wait, big climax. Big climax. Something does. Does anything ever remind Davidson Boeington of anything? No. So then there's a big. <laughs> <laughs> there's a big standoff okay, at the end of the movie. Big standoff. And we're at the climax now. There's a bunch of shenanigans, but no one really cares about that because it's all just okay, kind of. Hang like, on. Wait. Uh, pointless shenanigans uh, how long does that take at like an hour <laughs> like an hour you know about normal movie length so you've got the lead up right you've got act one that takes about like 15 to 20 minutes okay and then you've got all the random nonsense in the middle that nobody cares about and then uh from there we get to the climax which is almost the end uh and we think it's like the final climax right where they yeah. they fight David Bowie and they're like or sorry Davidson Boeington and yeah. they're like we're you're we're give us Eliza back and he's like no, no I have what? to do the best magic trick and he this tries is, to like this is like an amazing set piece do you know what like what does it look like when they have the final confrontation with Davidson Boeington oh it's space mountain um okay. and so then they're like Give us the baby back, and he's like standing on top of the like the tracks. Is yeah. it is and it Diet Space Mountain to avoid copyright issues, or is it like actual Space Mountain? That it's they called got? it's called Galaxy Volcano. Ga- <laughs> Galaxy Mountain. Okay. Galaxy Galaxy Hill. Galactic. <laughs> it's called Pumpkin Hill. No, it's called Galactic. Galactic. Warp zone. 
and Mario comes in. <laughs> no, Galactic Warp Zone is there. You're confusing the plot. Please don't. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Make stuff up. Got it. I'm sorry. Uh, so they they go into the Galact Galactic Galactic Warp Zone, and it's a roller coaster. And Davidson Boeington is there on top of the tracks, and they're like, "Give us Eliza back!" And he's like, "No, I need her for magic." And they're like, "But we need her for for baby reasons." And so then, uh, <laughs> baby. Hang on. Then all Reasons. of a sudden, the gremlins come out um, because it's nighttime. The sun is going down, and the gremlins crawl up the 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 poles of the roller coaster, and they're like, "You didn't feed us your, you didn't give us your, do your dark deeds." And he's like, "No, no, I swore I wouldn't live that way anymore." And and then they take him over, and uh, they he, eat him, right? Yeah, they eat him and yeah. and the baby he drops the baby like he he like lets the baby go and there's this like really dramatic slow motion moment where they're like running to catch her and they do but and they almost miss her and then her eyes start glowing and she starts floating and it turns out that she was actually magic all along. Wow. Wow. And that's the real like big plot twist that she's had magic powers this whole time that she like unlocks. Uh, in in this time of stress, now, uh, and what what powers? Uh, 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 all of them. Cool. Yeah, any magic power you can think of, she's got it. She she can do it. Yeah, she can do what? Magic. Right. So, uh, <laughs> and then they're all like, "Wow, we can't tell our parents about this because they'll get rid of us." And. Mary Poppins is like, I can do magic too. High five. And there's a there's like big lore and headcanons going around that it's tech the baby is actually Mary Poppins's baby and Mr. Banks's baby and not Mrs. Banks. But but, but the but these things are only really uh expanded on in the tie-in novelization. Yeah, it's yeah. never confirmed either in the plot. It's just kind of like one of those crack canon things right. that people a lot, a lot of people don't about. like it, so they consider the novelization non canon. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Um but yeah, so that's that's pretty much it as far as I um Okay. I think there's a post credit scene. Okay, yeah, this is the first post credit scene ever. Um yeah, there's a post credit scene that teases um the sequel. Okay. Um never happened though. No, it, it wasn't able to happen because of uh copyright issues. Right. Um <laughs> Right, yeah. Was, Di Disney was, was like really <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they also couldn't get um, David Bowie back because right. uh, he, he he said he um, his pants were too tight in the first movie and he had to be hospitalized for That's, loss of oh, circulation. No. That's true. And so <laughs> they they um, he could he didn't want to come back for a second one. So what was the scene though? Uh, the scene was uh, Davidson Boeington crawling out from the ashes of a pile of of gremlins. Burned gremlins? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. A uh, pile of burned gremlins. Yeah. And and he's he's he crawls up and he hoists himself up onto the the top of the roller coaster track and he's like breathing heavy, breathing heavy, and then a roller coaster cart comes by. Oh no! And it hits him. Well, we don't know what happens. Wait, does the movie end there? Yeah, it just ends. That's Wh like some Inception nonsense. It just goes to black. That's bad. That's it. bad filmmaking. <laughs> well, it's gotta be what real. What can I say? All right. Well, 
I think we have it. Let me just uh, synopsize what we have here. Uh, so Jim Henson made Labyrinth, all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about puppets, David Bowie, and children. Uh, Davidson Bowington is a magician trying to do a magic trick where he pulls a baby out of a hat. So he steals <laughs> a baby from the Banks household. And then Mary Poppins and the, the, the kids have to go on an adventure to find the third Banks child that was stolen, Eliza Banks. Uh, Mary Poppins, Jane, and Michael uh, go out, and then they venture to Disney World into the underneath labyrinth of tunnels beneath Disney World. Uh, And then they go and they confront Davidson Boeington. Meanwhile, Davidson Boeington is trying to figure out how to do do this great magic trick, and he's being tormented by the nightmare forms of the Disney mascots that turn into gremlins at night and haunt his dreams. Um, And then a bunch of pointless shenanigans happen for like an hour. And then there's a huge standoff with Davidson Boeington on the top of the Galactic Warp Zone, which is a cheap knockoff of Space Mountain. Um, and uh, there's they do this for baby reasons. Uh, and then, uh, oh no, that's they're that's why Mary Poppins and Jane and Michael are trying to save the baby for baby right reasons. for baby reasons. Right. Um, baby mode. Yeah, and then uh, gremlins come out of the darkness and crawl up the poles to eat David Bowie. And then he falls down and he drops Eliza, but then she turns out to be magic and starts glowing and floating, goes to credit scene. And then there's a post credit scene where David Bowie crawls out of a pile of burnt gremlin corpses and climbs up to the top of galactic warp zone. And then a, a roller coaster cart comes out of nowhere and the movie ends. Yep. That sounds right. All right. Well, uh, can't wait to see this. Uh, what do they call it? Is it the concession stand? Is that what they say? I don't know. Well, yeah, we're going to go grab some concessions and we'll be right back. Yeah. All right. We're going to go grab some concessions from the concession stand. Are we going to go to the box office? I forget what they say. The box office. It's something. It's something like that. One of those two. You should we're going to go to the theater realm and have a nice <laughs> big helping of motion picture. We're, uh, it's the previews. Time for the previews. Time for the previews. <sighs> so grab some popcorn and your Coca-Cola, Smoke-A-Cola VR. Uh, Love that Copyright TMCR bad advertising. And uh, let's watch a movie. All right. Let's watch a Disney Channel movie. <laughs> <laughs> let's watch a Disney, a Disney Channel, Channel movie. movie. All right. Another movie in the bank. Another movie in the bank. You were sitting <laughs> on that one, weren't you? Uh, for like five minutes or so. <laughs> Another movie in the bank. So we watched it. We watched The Labyrinth. So um, uh, let's see how your predictions held up. Um, this should be so. Fun. Yeah. So what? well, first off, what did you think? Uh, I liked it. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Um I don't know that it all everything totally holds up. Um no. like really well. Um but I do think that it was definitely um as all as with all Jim Henson properties, it was something that was clearly very formative for a lot of other media. Mm. Um Yeah, there were like multiple instances we noticed like very clear iconography that we've seen in like yeah. other things. Well, and I've heard, I have including, heard, the, including the word Hogwarts. Hogwarts, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
And uh, I have heard like many different sources reference the hand scene from the labyrinth, like on a just on a podcast or like in passing. And I'm like, huh, interesting. I don't know what that means, but interesting. What a what a what a cool thing. Also, just like it's. Oh, yeah. Penny, you put it perfectly of like leave it to Jim of like, of course, Jim Henson was the one who created a scene just so he could have he could just so incredibly stretch the definition of what a puppet is to its like right. purest distillation of just hands and, and and not only experiment to that extent but also just stick the landing 100%. Oh yeah, yeah. perfectly execute it to the point where like not only are there multiple hands talking as one entity, but each one of the entities has a unique design. Yeah. So not not only did he figure out a way to make multiple, like five people's hands come together into one face, but he made it in such a way that there were like a dozen different iterations of that configuration, where like and, one and had you, a mustache and one had a beard. And like, yeah. And then on top of that, you completely believe that these are like their own individual creatures for a minute. Yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. as as long as they are on screen and moving, they like him and his team have so perfectly mastered the art of like creating life through yeah. motion. Yeah. Like it's it's astounding. That, well, that kind and of stuff also is really like. Good. David Bowie was an excellent choice for like being kind of the centerpiece of this film. Um, besides, like, and Sarah too. She wasn't the best. Like, her vocal acting was very stilted and kind of cheesy. Yeah, typical eighties like ch- child well, she was actor. Also, yeah, she was a baby. Um, but I will say, like, her her interactions with with the Muppets as well as David Bowie's were s- so believable to the point like i always find that they the actors they cast in in muppet movies are so excellent at this where like you forget that you're watching a muppet movie and you just start to see the muppets as other actors and like other characters and people and like actual beings like the you know because a puppeteer can only bring so much life um to a puppet, which I suppose Dark Crystal, you know, is is proof that puppets can also stand alone. Yeah. Um, but I always really like that human element and watching like a human being interacting with a Muppet of like the extra level of depth that that brings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting to see. Um, and uh, it was well executed. Also, that that the actress is Jennifer Connelly, which um, I don't she... know that name. She is. Uh, she was most recently in Alita: Battle Angel. Um, oh, okay. oh, I never saw nobody, that. Yeah, or no, is, it, saw is it Alita or Attila? Alita. Alita. Uh, I had to check because I don't know how to read. Um, she was in a beautiful mind, uh, a Requiem for a Dream, Blood Diamond. Okay, so so a bunch Hulk. of really important, significant movies that I have never seen. <laughs> yeah. So like, um, yeah, she was in the the yeah. So the. Jennifer Connelly like goes on to be kind of a big name, which is why a lot of people look fondly on this specific movie because like she's, she's baby. Well, she has it's her first flick, and she's she's a little baby, and she don't know how to act good, and she's just like trying her hardest, and it's great. And um, David Bowie. God, can you get more gay? Yes. <laughs> you really can't though. No, I can't. I just that's I I couldn't back that up. You're lying um, to yourself. Yeah. Uh, but no, like. Yeah, his first entrance, he comes in through a window, waves his cloak, and a 
powder, a cloud of glitter just shimmers yeah. down he, around he him. He is he is drowning in glitter and then proceeds to drown the rest of the movie and all of <laughs> the, the sets set, in glitter. My, everything. My headcanon is that like it's not that glitter is everywhere in this world. It's just that he's been everywhere yeah. in this world and he's left glitter in his wake. Yeah. And exactly. like at first they were trying to clean it up, you know, do maintenance whenever he, he left. They would be like, okay, so start sleeping. Yeah. But at a certain point he started just visiting around everything. too much and they were just like, I guess we're glitter world now. Yeah, they just accepted that as yeah. a as a whole. But no, it uh it's really silly to think about like I wish I was a set dresser for this this movie because like that's just me like just applying spray adhesive and then just tossing glitter yeah. at everything. Yeah. Like that's what I want to do all the time on every show I work yeah. on and like every set that I've had the pleasure of decorating, but it's never appropriate and no. so like I wish I was there. It, it's a, it's just a really fun flick. Now, um, the story. Uh, yeah. So I do want to say, uh, I am. I feel like the the best way for me to sum up like how I felt about this mm-hmm. was it was basically just eighties Alice in Wonderland. So like, Alice in Wonderland, but gayer and, and a little bit gross. Well, well, it was it was <laughs> Jim Henson's Alice in Wonderland from the eighties, right? Where you know because. Anything made by Jim Henson is just going to imply that there is going to be something way super messed up. Yeah. Um, like, and that's not a slight at him. That's just his brand. Um, like, he's, that's just who he is, and I love him for it. Um, so, like, you know, it was glitter. It was, you know, crazy hair. It was, uh, you know, fantasy, like, weird, like, drug nonsense but then also like really like grotesque creatures that are just like spooky to look at like it took the two main genres of like 80s glam and 80s like slasher horror fic and kind of like put them together into like a family movie which i'm not sure how that happened but the only person on the planet who ever would be able to do it is jim henson so i i love specifically it's such a henson thing to do is have like these big ugly creatures be like the likable protagonists yeah like the right. soft lovely so like there's this like creepy like fox. ludo and uh well there's a creepy fox with weird teeth yeah uh sir Didymus and who admittedly does ride a very cute dog rides a very cute dog ambrosius um and he's just one of the most charming little characters um and Ludo, yeah, like the big ugly monster who like looks like he would hurt a lot of people. Like he looks like a um He's more or less the Minotaur of the Labyrinth. Yeah. Well he you also know? he looks a lot like um uh, well he also looks like a Hoth and Wampa from uh from Star Wars. Oh yeah, it's true. Or um, the abominable snowman from the the yeah, claymation yeah. fix. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Um and so it's Rankin like, Bass. Rankin Bass, yes. thank you, yes. Thank you. The Raken Bass Abominable Snowman, the big white and blue Yeti guy. Yeah, Wampa mm-hmm. in his own right. Um, and they are, yeah, it's it's a it's really really charming. So okay, I gotta say though, so Jim, first note, Jim Henson did make this. He did direct it. He did. Oh, so you're gonna it. go through and pick apart what I was right about? And what yeah, was. there are okay. puppets, there are David Bowie, and there are children. <laughs> okay, yeah, good. You got that right. David Bowie is a magician, uh, and he's. 
he's a he's like a wizard. He's a yeah. he's a goblin king. Yeah, um, that's his title, but like his power set yeah. is not properly. It's not uh, properly designed. I would probably, if I was to class him in D anD D, would probably be a warlock. Um, yeah, that's accurate. And he's trying to do magic tricks. That's true, but the magic trick is not to pull a baby out of a hat. Um, it is, in fact, to turn a baby into his goblin son. Well, the other thing is, Sarah, the main character, she's she's very obsessed with fantasy. Um, Relatable. There, there is um, the thing about this movie is like the plot and like lore and the deeper like underlying stuff is all just kind of implied, and you're supposed to kind of just like osmose it. They never really say anything outright. Yeah. So like it's implied that like her mother died and her mother was an actress probably on Broadway because there were playbills um and, and there's a headshot of her in her mirror. Right. Yeah. Well, but she you, you go over this the scrapbook and there's like like an actual playbill and the only people that do playbills are Broadway. Yeah. Um cuz it's copyrighted. Um which means this probably takes place either in uh Outer Boroughs, New York. Or, or New Jersey. Mama Mia land. <laughs> um, but no, it's implied that her mother died and then her father remarried and they, the father and her stepmother had a new child named Toby, her stepbrother then. Mm-hmm. Um, and her being kind of young, I guess she's probably like, I interpreted her as being about 16. Yeah, I'd say that. Um, Maybe 14, 15. 14 or 15, yeah. I, I don't know why my brain kept saying 16. Because but... her stepmother mother was encouraging her to go out dating. Right. And I was like, ah, 14-year-olds shouldn't be going on dates. But maybe 16-year-olds. But it was another time. Uh, yeah, it's true. But anyway, so, uh, you know, she's, she's very obsessed with kind of fantasy and fairy tales. And she kind of lives in this world in her head that, like, her stepmother is like this evil stepmother and she's this damsel in distress and um, she's, you know, left to babysit Toby and she says like, you know, she tells him the story about the Goblin King and says like, if I say these magic words, the goblins will come and take you away. Um, and we think she's she's not going to do it, but then she does and she says, I wish the goblins would come and take you away. Right now. Right now. And then they do. Right then. Uh, right then. And right at that moment. Right as she said it. It was like magic. So so what kind of boggles me about this what movie. What hoggles you? What hoggles me about this movie is that Sarah causes the inciting incident. And then the whole movie is about her trying to right her wrong. I think that's an interesting story, though. Like. That's a very another very Henson thing of like you have yes. to right your own wrongs. And right, that's, mm-hmm. it's not like oh the world is so unfair and unjust and this great adventure was thrust upon you against your will. It's sort of like no, this is your bed. You made it. Now you got to sleep in it. Right, right. And- well, they they literally kind of say that at one point because she uh, says directly to David Bowie, she's like, "This is unfair," and he's like, "I wonder what your standard of comparison is," or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, you say that a lot. Yeah. I wonder what your standard of comparison is. You two drive me crazy because the two of you can perfectly quote dialogue that you've heard once. And <laughs> I, I can't do that. And it drives me insane. I've always said I have always said I have a near phonographic memory. I, I can't ever remember exact wording unless it's like the Princess Bride, which I've watched a million billion thousand times. And even that I still make mistakes. I but I, um 
Yeah. No, no it's I, I think that's really fascinating. Like that is a very fascinating uh, like coming of because it is a, a really a coming of age story. Right. And an encouragement for her to grow and change because she's kind of like stuck in the past. She misses her mom. She doesn't want to let go and move on and love this new sibling that she has. And like she's you know, she's she's staying immature. She needs to grow up. And she's kind of living in this fantasy world. Um, and so, like, not only does she make the mistake, but then the then the story is like, well, if you want to, like, fix this, you're the only person who can fix this mistake that you made. And in order to fix that, you have to grow up and A, stop taking things for granted. B, stop holding on to the junk you've, you've got that, like, you know, you're obsessed with, uh, you know, stop treating everybody like they're attacking you when you're the one causing your own problems like all of this yeah, it's it's a surprisingly nuanced and grown-up um, it's very deep yeah to be teaching like in a kid's movie well i don't really know that this is a kid's movie to be honest with you i don't well i would show it to my kids it would, yeah it's definitely it's definitely in the realm of like like that very nebulous like family yeah. movie genre right. where it's like, like it's not for kids. It's mostly <laughs> appropriate, though. So I can say from, like, with knowledge that Jim Henson made this movie specifically because he wanted to make a feature-length Muppet movie that was not a Muppet movie, like with right. Kermit and Fozzie and right. everybody. That wasn't, like, his his and character. He super-duper-duper wanted to make Dark Crystal. Right. Because that was his, like, heart song. But his opus yeah that was his absolute heart song and his his opus and he just he wanted nothing more in life than to make dark crystal and he couldn't and so the studio was like well if you want to make a fantasy thing we have this contract with david bowie and he wants to do a movie so <laughs> could you do a movie with him and he was they were like all right i guess and so they kind of threw this together and for a thrown together flick this movie i mean it did not do well first of all oh, i can i can tell you why fantasy does not did not vibe in that era and also like this it just it was... i mean it still doesn't like I, it's weird like everybody is into sci-fi and superheroes like fantasy just never does well which drives me crazy because i love fantasy especially urban fantasy it's a very rich um possibility but like there were a few big hitter uh, fantasy flicks from this time. Um, namely, they're all actually suggested on the side it's, here. It's Willow. Willow, Never Ending, Never Story, Ending Story, Dark Crystal, Dark Crystal. And like, that's it. Uh, yeah. Well, there's a couple of others. There's like a couple of other. Oh, The Last Dragon ones. Slayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, there's like a few. But um, yeah, so fantasy didn't really do well. And so this movie was a sleeper, but it found a loyal following in David Bowie fans, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, which is not surprising at all because it features David Bowie at his David Bowieist very prominently. Right, and um, he's in his so element in this one. I found out about this movie originally. The first time I saw this was in my sixth grade music class um, with my uh, my teacher, Mrs. Diltz. Um, and hi, Mrs. Diltz. Hi, Mrs. Diltz. I don't know, or I think it was Miss Diltz. I don't know if she got married yet, or if she did, or if she's even alive. But um, <laughs> it's been a while since I was in that area. But anyway, um, she was a very influential music teacher on me. She taught me how to play guitar. Um, and anyway, she uh, showed this movie because not because it was like 
particularly important or we were studying <laughs> like movie musicals or like anything. She put it on specifically because she was fangirling about David Bowie. She like wrote, she did a whole spiel about how David Bowie is one of the best musicians ever and then made us watch this movie. And that's what our lesson was for like a week was we watched like bits of this movie one like one class at a time over the course of like four days. Yeah. And then I watched this movie and it was bananas to me, but it always stuck with me forever. I love her. And I want to be her best friend. She sounds amazing. She's really she just like was like, you know what? I'm in public school. They just cut my funding. (laughs) I'm going to make them watch Labyrinth. And, I'm going to teach about David Bowie because I can. And like, you know what? It it worked. And this movie has stuck with me ever since then. Yeah. And it's it's just one of those flicks that kind of like gets into your heart. And it has a really, 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 really nuanced um, moral at the end, which is like the whole movie is about her. It starts with her living all the time in fantasy and her, you know, playing make pretend and all this stuff and going and going, going. And then like she gets, she makes her brother go away. And then now she has to live with the repercussions of her fantasy world by living through it. And then going through the labyrinth of her own mind and her experiences, meeting the sort of like hoggle who represents like her collecting, hoarding selfishness and cowardice. And then Ludo who's like her, her trustingness. And then the, the, um, Sir Didymus, which is her overconfidence and like going through the, the bog of eternal stench representing her like bad attitude and like all these different little aspects of herself are represented in the labyrinth. And you can go you can write a whole thesis on it if oh, you wanted yeah. to. A whole paper. But the ending ends with like the lessons she learns is don't think don't take things for granted. Don't give up because you're further than you think you are. And um don't you know stop hoarding all of this stuff all of these things are just material what really matters is your family and you know you have to have the courage to face things on your own and but also do not be afraid to ask for help yeah those those are the five tenets of this movie but at the end she goes home and she's alone with her family and then at the end it's like jim henson essentially said like give up on your imagination become an adult and then he doubles back down on that and he's like no you can be an adult you can be responsible and still keep your imagination and party with goblins in your room and like i think that's a wonderful ending of like yeah you can keep your childlike wonder but also be responsible because that's what he was i mean he was an adult with a very active and like huge imagination just like like great like i don't i can't think of anybody else as creative as Jim Henson, like yeah. he did some wild stuff too. Like if you go back into the annals of history and you like really look into like his his past and kind of his one of the first things he ever did um, was set up these big giant tents. This was like in the sixties or seventies. He set up these big giant white tents that he would just project like images onto, yeah. um, and like and he would make like interactive media for people to like play with like shadow puppets basically and like in like projected images on sheets that people it was like really interesting some of the stuff that he did like in his early days it was really crazy he was a wild guy he was a wild 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 dude but like um a cool guy nonetheless but yeah this this flick was uh it's good um 
you know, I I I will say, um, yeah, I like a lot of the symbolism in it. I think it's very weirdly. There deep. is no, uh, unfortunately, there's no Space Mountain. Well, there was an right. Escher painting, yeah. though, which was basically Space Mountain. Yes. In scope, yes. It's like a roller coaster. Kind of. Roller coaster of emotions. Roller coaster of stairs. (laughs) Um, It's the most literal (laughs) intervention. It was like a roller coaster of stairs and chasing a baby and David Bowie sing a song. (laughs) Yeah. My favorite kind of roller coaster. That was the one thing I didn't mention in my description was uh, that this is a musical, which I didn't didn't know. You didn't didn't realize it was a musical? No, I just... I, I just, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't consider the fact that there is one song in this movie that definitely gets sung, so why wouldn't there be other ones? Yeah, that's um, true. I think also, like, one of the main, like, you know, the, the way she defeats Jareth is by saying, you have no power over me. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful, especially for a young woman to say to an older man who's like, trying to seduce her mm-hmm. like in the context of the 21st century like yeah watching a young woman look at an older man and say you have no power over me that's wild that's a wild thing for like what 1983 86 86 yeah. that's crazy you know, no yeah. straight up like i and also like who, who better to represent it than like david bowie this like symbol of like amazing male virility and like beauty but also like who else would let that happen in a movie of like all right you have to be creepy towards a little girl and then have her be like no you can't be creepy and then you die and he's like i love it let's do it (laughs) (laughs) absolutely let's uh, this is a this is what an amazing lesson like just yeah, man. It's the, it's the role of a lifetime. You get to empower so many young women. Do I get to do the music? The music? Of course. I, oh, yeah, we were going to... We, we were we, going to... Oh, yeah. How much do you want to get paid for that? Nothing. I'll do nothing. it for free. I have so many songs. I just... I have nowhere to put them. <laughs> it's I have true, this though. song about dance magic dance that I need to put somewhere, and I don't know what to do with it. This it's movie's like, magic, also, right? I mean, yeah, in a way. Okay, cool. it works. <laughs> Excellent. I do have a line about slapping a baby. Is that all right? <laughs> the first time I heard that line, I thought it was slap that baby, make it pee. <laughs> no, I was gonna. I was gonna say that. I was gonna say that when we were watching it. I didn't want to though. I didn't want to be the one who said it. Slap that. Thank baby. you so much. Make it free. You know. I, I mean, sw- make it free isn't that much better either. It's like what? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Like kill it. David. It's also a wildly nuanced. He has a wildly nuanced line at the end that like nuance is the name of the game with this <laughs> this flick. Oh, it's it is like oh yeah. But like it wears its its message and its its themes on its sleeve. But like everything is very subtle in its dialogue because it's very like poetic. Um, and he he has a really interesting like he sets up a really interesting paradox at the end where he says, um, uh. All you have to do is love and fear me and I'll be your slave. And like, I've never seen a more like concise argument against like 
governments and like like authoritarianism in general just like it's or just like even like abusive parents and stuff like right. the the or like abusive relationships and abusers and it's just like that idea of like all i want you to do is love me and fear me and i'll do whatever you want and it's like well i don't want to have to love and fear you dog yeah yeah i don't care what you can give me you have no power over me and then poof you're an owl exactly it's it's very interesting it's really really fascinating um there's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie that's like that's not explained and we're, you as the audience are expected to kind of just be okay with it. And mm. I am like to a certain degree, but there's also like, you know, Sarah at the beginning thinks that the goblin King and the goblins are a story. And so then when she says the words and then the goblins show up, she's like totally like, okay, yeah, this is a thing that's happening now. Yeah. I guess I'm here you know, now. She's, yeah. She, and then, and then the, and then she's not in her home anymore and she's just like, Oh, your castle. Okay. Like she's not freaked out by it. Like, I, I don't know. It's, I know that that's yeah, not like, yeah, that wouldn't I, push the plot along. Right. It, but it like, really comes down to time economy on that kind of thing. Like, is it, yeah, is yeah. it really worth, uh, dwelling on? And, and like in a lot of movies, it would be worth, uh, exploring that emotional side of it. I think. For this one, it was very much a question of priority. Although that being said, they could have taken out the flamingo sing <laughs> scene for that. I think yeah. that maybe yeah. we're talking that, time I think, economy. I think that's a that right there is that, what I like to call a classic Jim Henson, but I wanna. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what he wanna do there was what if I have puppet, but all the puppet are controlled by green like morph suit guys. And we just more we we get rid of them and then have Jennifer Connelly like act like she's seeing some wild stuff, <laughs> and then these little puppets fall apart and like they switch body parts and stuff and do weird stuff. Well, I think he probably what happened is he came up with an idea for a puppet, yeah, that has removable body parts, and then he realized the only way to do it was the green screen. And then he was like, "Well, I have to put this somewhere." And then he was like, oh, Labyrinth, my garbage movie where we're just piling on things anyway. <laughs> it's you know? kind of, like, Labyrinth is essentially Jim Henson's like... It's it's a peek inside all of the like the, the, the I, re- rejected pages of his notebook. Yeah, it's Jim Henson's laboratory experiment. Yeah, he I, was like... Yeah, I, I love the descriptor that it, this is Jim Henson's garbage movie. It yeah. is. It's it's his trash can. Like it's all the it's all the papers <laughs> that he crumpled up and threw away. And then somebody else pulled them out and was like, "Oh, hand puppets, literal hand puppets, Jim. That's brilliant. Let's put it in there." He's like, and so, uh, okay. Because <laughs> the, the thing is, though, you see these different like technological things pop up in his later movies. Um, like you see it happen in Dark Crystal, and you see it happen. Uh, well, actually, Dark Crystal came out earlier. So I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Dark Crystal ha- came out in 83, I'm pretty sure. 82, That's yeah. what I was thinking but, of was Dark Crystal. And then this was 86. Yes. And so the, 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 the thing about this flick is really that like it's a, it's a, they were finally getting into the point where they had CGI technology. And I think this was uh, Jim's attempt at kind of like blending CGI and visual effects and like greater detail with um like conventional puppetry and right. so you see it with like the little worm on the ledge and how the worm puppet is like a full-size worm puppet 
but then they sh- they like scaled it down and fit it onto that little brick there, right? Yeah, and made it look like a small worm puppet. And then the like the really cool optical illusions in this movie that were like sometimes really cool and functional, like the the wall um, where it looks like it's a wall, but then she walks through and it's actually like an opening, and it it completely messes with your your depth perception. But then. Also, completely unnecessary optical illusions like that rock face that like it's like three rocks in front of one another. And when they're lined up, it looks like a face. But when you move away from it, it looks like three rocks. And they just put that there for David Bowie to spin his glass balls around on. (laughs) And that's it. Also, the glass balls uh, hand double for David Bowie, which is infinitely funnier if you imagine him not wearing his cape. Because you would see all the times his hands are behind his back and he's doing that <laughs> improv game where someone else's is. It's basically the Swedish chef, but yeah. played straight instead of for comedy. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so that's that's fun. Um, so yeah, Labyrinth. Uh, Labyrinth. Did you know that David Bowie did the baby gurgling in the song Magic Dance? I did know this. I was going to say that. I am and not surprised. I... I, I Wanted y'all to go on your own little labyrinth adventure. Yeah, I, no, I'm out. just I'm just scrolling through the uh, through the trivia section just to see if I can find stuff that anything fun. Uh, apparently, so you were right. The owl and the title sequence uh, was the very first photorealistic CGI animal character. Yeah, in really a feature stretching film. the term photorealistic with that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, the first attempt at a photorealistic <laughs> CGI <laughs> there animal. We go, character. There we go. There we go. There we go. Uh, the Finally, dance, the, some honesty in this town. <laughs> the dance magic scene consisted of over 48 Muppets, 52 puppeteers, and eight people in goblin costumes. Um, they're Muppeteers. <laughs> Haley, Haley, are you okay? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm drowning in pedantry. Uh, over 100 pairs of latex hands were made for the helping hand scene. God, those latex hands must be real stinky now. Um, latex does not last. Oh, well, this is why Toby Froud worked on the Dark Crystal Netflix series. It's because his dad was the conceptual designer for the movie. Ah. The baby who played Toby was Toby Froud, the son of Brian Froud, who was the conceptual designer for both Labyrinth and Dark Crystal. What was that conversation like? Jim was, just, Jim was Jim- like... Was hey, like, hey, hey um, Brian, I need to use your son. <laughs> I need to use your baby. Your baby's hey, really cute. I Brian, think he'd be know, good. You know this movie we're doing, <laughs> Labyrinth. Um, it requires Le- a baby. Labrianeth. 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 It it requires a baby, and you have one. You have one. Can yeah, I have I, it? Yeah, I have new, have newly it? born. What? What are you? Can, can I, I have use your it? baby? I need it. For for science. For science. <laughs> you you just have to say the words. I wish the Henson King would take my baby away. Right I wish now. the Muppet Ping would would take my son away from me right now. I don't wish that. I don't wish that. You don't I wish what? Baby. Don't I don't wish, wish that the Muppet King <laughs> would take my son away right now. Ah, oh, uh-huh, you said it. There it is. <laughs> If it you was, don't take him back by midnight tonight from my labyrinth, then he's gonna be in my it movie. Was, the sentence was broken up by an <laughs> extra <laughs> negative word. No! <laughs> Get him, Gonzo! 
Oh, also, uh, apparently- hey, I got him. I don't know how to do a Gonzo That's impression. okay. Hey, you know, that's close enough. Really, really landed the I'm Gonzo. <laughs> what does Gonzo sound like? I'm Gonzo. I'm, I'm Gonzo. There it is. I'm yeah, a great yeah, Gonzo. I'm great Gonzo. Yeah, those were really good, Penny. Good job. Thanks. It's kind of, it's very similar to uh, the Marble and Ice Jet the Hawk voice. Oh, ah, you're right. You know what? You're right. Apparently, yeah. Michael Jackson, Prince, and Mick Jagger were all considered for the Goblin King. Jesus. Uh, and Jim Henson's preference was Sting, but his kids convinced him that David Bowie would be the best choice. Good job, Brian. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bowie wanted to make a children's movie, liked the concept, <gasps> and found the script funnier and more amusing than any of the Wait, other contemporary that makes special it effect so movies. Much cuter. David Bowie was like, I want to make a movie for kids. <laughs> I love children and, and they're and wonderful and they're our future and I believe in them. Yes, and he read the muffins. script and he was like, you're telling me I get to be an incredibly gay villain with tight pants and glitter? I'm in. I'm in. And it's for children? As long as Amazing. it entertains the children. As long as it entertains the children and tells them to keep their imaginations. Oh as long God. as it delights the mind and ensnares the senses. Uh, one of the choreographers for this movie was Cheryl McFadden. She also appeared uncredited as one of the masked dancers in the ballroom scene. A year after this movie, she starred in Star Trek The Next Generation, credited as Gates McFadden, playing Dr. Beverly Crusher. What? (laughs) What? Dr. Crusher was one of the choreographers for this movie. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hang on. I'm going to go in the credit sequence now. I'm going to just scroll it on through here. That's incredible. It's a different name. So she uses a different name for acting credits rather than like choreography credits. That's incredible. What is her name? Uh, uh, Cheryl McFadden. Cheryl McFadden. Rather than Gates McFadden. And so she is an actual dancer. Yeah. When they danced with Data. When when she dances with Data, she's a real dancer. Golly gosh. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Ballroom dancers, ballroom dancers. I think she That's was the incredible. one that was dancing with David Bowie. No, she's she's uncredited. Oh, she's oh. uncredited as a ballroom dancer, but is she credited as the choreographer? Uh, I don't know. Hang on. That's out of control. There it is. Director of choreography and puppet mute movement. Whoa. What? That's Dr. Beverly Crusher from Star Trek Next Gen. What? She's our fave. That's love her. out of control. Isn't that crazy? This movie slaps this on movie so is many so levels. Good. This is such a, like, what a conceptually, like, satisfying flick. Just, like, toe to tip. This one's great. Dang. Okay, so apparently Monty Python member Terry Jones wrote the first draft of the script. Yeah. And then Jim Henson let other people rewrite it. But then after Henson was like, hey, so it doesn't, it's not funny anymore. Can you put the jokes back in? (laughs) Uh, yeah, that great. scans with the uh, the I always tell lies and I always tell the truth, um, guys. And then the 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 um, the knockers guys. I was gonna say that's very very Both very, of those are very Monty, Monty Python. Python. Yeah. And the um, oh George Lucas was the producer. Yeah, we yeah. saw that at the beginning. George Lucas executive produced because he was he's in charge of Lucas Films, who was the visual effects team. Oh yeah, because they were like best friends. Yeah. And George Lucas chose not to do any interviews during the release of the movie so as not Aww. to steal Jim's thunder. Wait, Cheryl awesome. Henson is that's Jim's wife, right? I think so. Cheryl Henson was the junk lady. Aw. That's cute. Yes, yes, that that's Cheryl Henson is his wife. They they met doing puppeteering in yes, college, didn't they? They did. What an amazing What an amazing power couple. couple. I know, right? What a good flake. I'm glad we had this moment together. I'm gonna have to go through time. all of these, all of this trivia now, because you know me, I'm a big nerd. What a powerful so, 
and wonderful way, way to to celebrate our wonderful podcast. Yeah, mock footage mock that footage. we yeah the one that we made and and do all the time. It's great. Penny, do you have any other thoughts you'd like to include? Uh, not really. Here's the thing is that I'm actually, I, I was actually surprised, uh, when we, you know, when we switched over and started recording this back half, I was like, wow, you know, considering the movie I just watched, I don't have much to say at all. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's it pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, I think definitely, you know, just in terms of like final thoughts, I enjoyed this for sure. Uh, I, yeah. I I think it's great. And talking about it now, I definitely uh, appreciate the the nuances of it a little bit more in ways that I didn't really pick up as we were watching. Um, I do not think this is one that I personally would go back to just on my own accord. Um, oh, yeah. But I appreciate having seen it, and I really appreciate what it did, uh, both culturally and creatively. Uh, so yeah, it's it's good. I, I I would recommend at least just checking it out. You know, like even if you're like me and. Um, you know, probably won't put it on regular rotation. Like it's oh it's, for sure, it's worth a watch it's, for the legacy alone. That this movie is definitely a um like a a very infrequent. It's a movie you kind of you remember and you think about and you reference and you talk about every once in a while with people who've seen it. But you only go back to the well like once every ten years to show somebody right. And this was my return, and it's you know, it's it's got its faults it's got its problems for sure but it's also a wild why oh wow they have a thanks to the estate of mc escher at the end of this <laughs> cool um yeah no a, for sure a wild time i yeah i am i am actively glad i i finally saw it through yeah for sure yeah me too i i feel like you know it's an important thing just for like cultural osmosis kind of like yeah. to to it's one of those movies where like it's important to see it once just like culturally mm -hmm. but like i don't think it's gonna ever it's not my favorite movie of all time but like i'm glad that i've seen it now yeah i feel culturally sure. enriched yeah. yeah i all right now at the end of this um I'm remembering that there's a movie called Legend where Tim Curry plays the devil and I need to watch that. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm just going to wrap up now with uh, some favorite quotes. We got some favorite quotes around the table. I know mine. Some favorite quotes from the movie? Yeah. Um, My, mine is mine is definitely the one I already quoted with the, I, like, I wonder what your uh, uh, frame of reference is or whatever references. he said. Yeah. Mine is definitely probably the you have no power over me. Yeah, that's like good. her finally it, them introducing that at the beginning of her not remembering that line and then her finally remembering that line at the end and mm -hmm. using that to like defeat him. Because like I feel like that's so powerful that she just used words. Mm -hmm. There was no like force. You know, she didn't punch him. She yeah. didn't d gain magic powers all of a sudden. She just said you she have didn't no power dance, over magic me. dance. <laughs> No, she literally just looked at him and said, you have no power over me, and all of his power was taken away. Like, how cool is that? Mine is definitely nothing. Nothing, tra-la-la. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. It's a very, just like, all right, David Bowie. Yeah, you did that. Cool. I, I mean, you hey, if that. anyone were to do it. You said those words. You said those words. They were written down, and now they're said. And the, and or, the thing or you is, improvised I'm, them. I'm not bothered. Not bothered. I loved it. In fact, in so. fact, I loved it a lot. <laughs> if so. if Robert right. Downey Jr. were to say nothing, tra la la, I'd have a question mark above my head. But right here, I'm I you know I a hundred percent accept this. Got I accept this. 
I take it. It's mine. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening you. to Mock Footage. Yeah. What podcast uh, would you? Thank you for listening to our podcast, Mock Footage. Uh, um, it, if you wanted to uh, listen to uh, another podcast uh, that I wish we did, um, maybe in another timeline, you know, we do it. Uh, it's definitely this wonderful show called Badvertising um, that you can also find on the Lunar Light Studio Network, uh, where uh, the hosts are uh, are really clever and really fun and uh, so beautiful and talented and smart and funny. And they all they talk about uh, <laughs> products uh, that shouldn't be made and then come up with really viral ad campaigns to make sure that they actually sell, which is wild. But before you do that, make sure you check out Mock Footage uh, on Twitter. Uh, and also, of course, check out the network that we are a part of, which is Lunar Light Studio. That's at Lunar Light HQ on Twitter. And if you like what we do as a whole, whether it's on advertising or mock footage or any of the other podcasts that are made, uh, please consider supporting us on our Patreon, which is patreon.com uh, backslash Lunar Light HQ. And of course, the three of us have personal Twitters. Mine is at Blue Space Queen. Mine is at Hey Stews. And mine is at Snaps Cube. And uh, I think that's it. All right. Well, thanks thank for, listening for listening to, to mock footage where your movie yeah, watching thanks. is guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> where we watch movies, guaranteed. <laughs> where we watch you watch movies and you don't know it, guaranteed. <laughs> guaranteed. <laughs> Lunar Light Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.